Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And we have a special guest today who Emery is going to introduce. Yes, I have the pleasure of introducing our special guest today. Our special guest today is Dr. Zach Thieneman. He is a therapist and he uh, specializes. <laughs> I'm just looking at him like, hey, buddy, am I saying the right things? Uh, he specializes Perfect. in group therapy, uh-huh. especially with children. Uh-huh. Did, I, did I nail it? Nailed it. Okay, was there anything else I needed to add? No. Okay. I think that's great. He also has really cool dinosaur socks on, and he has a mug with a T-Rex on it. Yeah, as one does. Yeah, the guy loves dinosaurs. I can't blame him. Yeah. I really, I mean, I, I don't know anyone that's, like, against dinosaurs. Or yeah, if like you're them. against dinosaurs, I don't want to be your friend. Yeah, you got to get the hell out of here. We're not friends. Yeah. I don't even see how one could be against dinosaurs. That's a very, like... <laughs> what a weird thing to be anti. <laughs> <laughs> Oddly specific. Like, uh, old dead animals. And I know. <laughs> and I've actually known Zach since elementary school. We went to Tully Elementary for a little bit uh, together. And then Crosby Middle School. And then Eastern High School. So we've known each other for many years. And then we previously served on a board together. The National Alliance on Mental Illness. The Louisville chapter we served on the board together. And Zach's just all right, all around stand-up guy. I would love to see a picture of you guys in elementary school. That'd be cute. Actually, you know the picture we should use. There's a picture of us from homecoming. I think I, I actually think that's on my Facebook, and that's that's like readily ex, like accessible. Yeah, we so we were uh, so Zach and I because we're both you know just very charming and just incredibly attractive guys. <laughs> we were on homecoming court together in high school, our senior year. And it was like, I always thought it was weird because I was like, all right, it's us two. And then it's like these like very like, you know, not that we're not popular, but like very popular, preppy, athletic guys. And then just Zach and Emery, which, you know, we're great guys too, but it felt a little, did it feel a little odd? Yeah, we we didn't fit the mold of what I think of as stereotype for like, you know, stereotypes for the homecoming yeah. uh, king. Yeah, we could have been homecoming king, but we lost to the football star. Oh, who well, did fit the that happens. Yeah. yeah, and I've held it against him ever since. <laughs> Should have been Zach and me. I, you know, if, if I would have won it, I would have just had Zach join me you on the stage. You guys would have shared the crown, it. break yeah. it in half. <laughs> Sweet. It's two nerdy freaks are the recipients of the homecoming king. <laughs> that sounds like a good option. Honestly, yeah, I did. Yeah, so there's a, there's a really nice picture of us, though, together. I remember it. We're like... Mm-hmm. We're embracing, <laughs> we're holding each other, kind of, and smiling. We could use that for the, uh, for the promo for the, for the show. That'd be great. I would love that. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Well, we finished that part. Cool. Okay. So business. Business. Yeah, I wasn't here last week to do business with Katie Hubert, our guest. So business. You're listening to Two Nuts in a Pot on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us anytime at forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Play, SoundCloud. Yep. <laughs> I almost said SoundBox. <laughs> SoundCloud. And you can also find us on social media platforms. Facebook is Two Nuts in a Pot with two spelled out, T-W-O. And Instagram is Two Nuts in a Pot with the number two nuts in a pot because it's all cool and hip. And then you can email us anytime, 24-7, 365 at Two Nuts in a Podcast at gmail.com. And one of our 1,200 interns will answer. 1,200 now. Wow. Those... We hired 301 week. 
Yeah. yeah. It was a real big hiring fair and they're just constantly answering emails because people will not stop contacting us. So yeah. we, we have to, you know, we have to meet the demand. We're so popular. <laughs> Very popular. <laughs> they're just doing one word answers for emails too. <laughs> not because there's just so many that, you know, we have to do that. So yeah, please email us anytime. Could be show ideas, could be questions you have, could be your, you know, things you, nice things you want to say to Lizzie. I don't know. Anything you want, please contact us. Cool. That's a business. That's the business. I took care of that. All right. Well, let's move on to our first segment, which is how are you for real? So this is where we really want to know how you're actually doing, not just the one word answer, but like what's going on in your life, the good, the bad. We want to hear all of it. And if you're doing great, then tell us what that secret is, because we need it mm-hmm. desperately. We want it so bad. <laughs> Tell gonna, us your secret. We're going to take it from you. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that happy secret. <laughs> yeah. So how are you for real? You want to start, Emery? I will start. I would say I am relieved. I uh, finished a significant part of my job where I was, I, I was planning an event. We had about 230 in attendance. It was an outdoor event. You know, this is just on the tail well not tail end of covid because obviously it's still around uh but you know all the those in attendance were vaccinated and it was just it was really awesome to have that come together after so many weeks of preparation and it was really intense periods of preparation too i mean the last two days leading up to it i were 16 hour work days i was physically emotionally mentally exhausted but it was also like exciting because it was doing something i'd never done before you know, and that was something I didn't want anyone to tell the employer, my employer, be like, hey, this guy has no experience doing this, right? <laughs> and uh, actually, an event planner that was there, and she was helping out, and she had like 30 years experience. She was like, hey, like, you did a really good job, and I don't nice. just say that. And I was like, this is really nice, because I am always, uh, you know, that's in my mind all the time, is like, someone gives me a compliment, what's their secret alternative or motivation or whatever? Like, she's just saying that to be nice, but she was very genuine and said I did a really good job. There was... You know, there's the catering, there's the decorations, there's the table arrangements, there's the seating arrangement, there's the ticket sales, there's the sponsorships. There's seriously, there's performers, keynote speakers, there's so many details. And that's what I wasn't prepared for. But luckily being, I'm, I'm pretty detail oriented. So that was, it was, it was fun. I had a good time. Nice. And I remember that I talked about this with my therapist as well, when it was, ha- when the event was happening and people were like, coming up to me and be like, hey, buddy, you doing okay? Because <laughs> they're like, oh, this guy must be going, you know, bonkers with all this stuff happening. But I was like, I'm honestly like, I feel grateful. It's a, it's weird to be in that moment when things are supposed to be very stressful. And I'm like, I'm actually pretty grateful for this. Like, This is really cool that I get to do this. I used a lot of like techniques and strategies I learned from therapy and a lot of like positive self-talk here and there was like, Hey man, like this is your first time doing this. It's going to be okay. Like you're doing a good job. Like think of all the things you've already done. Like, you know, I'm grateful that I have this experience. I'm grateful for the people that are helping out because thank God they're here. (laughs) Uh, so just, it was really, really cool. And it was, you know, we had troubles like the event space flooded like two days before the event was supposed to happen. Oh my gosh. Um, it was really windy when we were putting up decorations and like the wind was blowing over these really elaborate vases that had nice flower decorations and then just blowing them over and shattering the glass. Like the DJ just 
the day before was like, hey, I'm in Atlanta. <laughs> we're like, oh, okay, this is why we have a backup plan. And luckily we did for all of that. And all that stuff happened, and I just kept working and going through it. And I was like, hey, like, it's going to be okay. Like the whole time I was just saying to myself, like, this is going to be okay. Just remember the little things you can do. Remember those little chunks and try not to, like, overwhelm yourself. And so that's what I did. But it was still, still exhausting. But I was relieved and felt grateful for all of it. That's so great to do something challenging like that and then have yeah. it turn out well. Yeah, people, and I, you know, when you're the planner, you're just like, okay, this is going wrong, or like, mm, this is a little too long, or mm, I missed this, or I forgot this, or I'll do this better next year. But then you talk to people, they're like, yeah, that was great. Because I think people were so happy just to interact with each other in person and have some sort of normal activity where they're like, hey, we got to dress up, we got great food. We got to hear performances and celebrate kids and youth in our community. Like, this was awesome. I'm like, oh, cool. You had a good time. <laughs> but yeah, and all those things that you were, that, that went, that didn't go like you wanted. Yeah. They don't know. Yeah, nobody they, notices. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what people told me. They're like, they have no idea that was like a mistake. Like, there was a mistake in our timing where we sent people to get food too early before like us and two other things. And it was like. And someone told me, they were like, dude, no one's going to notice. Like, no one cares. <laughs> They're happy they got their food early. They're just They're like, like, hey, hell I, got, yeah. I got this delicious, delicious, this delicious chicken dish. And, like, I don't care what happens next. I'm eating and drinking and having a good time and talking with friends. And I look nice. So, like, it didn't matter. So, I was just, it was, that was really cool. And it was really cool to have that affirmation afterwards where people were, like, proud of me and happy for the event and just excited overall. And we made money and we were able to celebrate kids and give them scholarships and stuff so it was it was really cool but yeah i'm relieved (laughs) and i i'm excited to plan it for next year and that's not something i thought i would think about where i'm just like ooh, this will be fun like now i've got it under my belt and i know what to do now Mm -hmm. so that's that's exciting for me um but yeah so that's great you're just kicking butt in your new job yeah and you know and that's the thing with perfectionism and that imposter syndrome thing where you're just like, I am not good enough at anything. People are like, no, you are, you are definitely good enough. Like (laughs) you're very good. Like, don't worry about that. But in your head, you like, you can't see that. And, uh, so it was just nice to have people come up and be like checking in on me. How are you doing? Other people would be like, Hey, this is great. Like, this is really, really good. Or like, I really like that you all did this specific thing. It's like, thanks for noticing that. That's really cool. So nice. It sounds like an awesome experience. Yeah, it was it was just really cool, and I I didn't realize that honestly until talking about it right now, like how fortunate I was to be a part of that, and just yeah, we even had Janelle Monet, the artist, like surprise the students with like a a little congratulatory video that she sent. It was like this is so cool, like so yeah, it was it was really cool. So I'm I'm very fortunate, very lucky, and grateful, and look forward to it next year. Good job. Proud of you, man. Thank you. And it was honestly like, I was like, that was really hard work, but it was very satisfying. Like, you know, when you have hard days at work, you're like, ooh, this kind of sucks. And this, there was times where it kind of sucked, but then at the end I was like, this was worth it. This was great. Mm-hmm. So I feel, I feel very good about that. Very cool. So I guess depression's over for me. <laughs> yeah, fixed it. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Tell us your secrets. <laughs> so Lizzie, how are you for real? I am doing pretty good, which I don't think I've said that in like 
six months. I was going to say I six usually years. Say, <laughs> I usually have been saying I'm doing crappy or I'm just doing okay, but yeah. I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. I mean, I recently um, applied for a job that I didn't get that would have been adding to my current responsibilities, and that was disappointing. But, I mean, like, I I found out I didn't get it. I cried for, like, five minutes. And then I was like, you know what? It's just not It's not meant to be. It's like, if I look back on any job that I didn't get in the past, I've never dwelled on it. I've never, you know, and I understood their rationale for why I didn't get it. You know, they needed someone to be fully focused on it um, and not kind of job sharing. So, and and I honestly was it was one of those things I couldn't picture doing the job like as much I was trying to visualize myself actually doing the job and I couldn't and sometimes that's a sign that it's like well maybe I wasn't really ready for that uh, so that was disappointing but um, I had a good week otherwise and yesterday I got to hang out with some friends that I haven't seen I haven't hung out with in like years um, I mean, I saw them at a wedding recently, but we didn't actually really get to hang out that much. And with my social anxiety, I was so nervous about it on the way over that I almost wanted Seth to like turn the car around and take me home. Like, yeah. that's how bad it was. I was just like, man, I don't know if I have anything in common with these folks anymore. I don't know if we're going to have stuff to talk about. And that's like my biggest thing with my social anxiety is like small talk is like the bane of my existence. I hate small talk. Um, and that's the thing when you haven't seen people in a long time, it's a lot of like catching up and what's been going on. And I'm like, well, I didn't get the job I wanted and, um, <laughs> I am clinically depressed. Uh, so get, get great. How are you? <laughs> I mean, I just, the, you know, there's really, I feel like there's nothing for me to share with them. I'm like, I'm, I'm in the same job. I'm kind of in a rut, honestly. Uh, but luckily there was like very little small talk. I remembered that this group of people are just like super goofy and like there was lots of stuff to do. We're like playing this like outdoor Jenga where you have like the giant Jenga stacks. Yeah. It's way harder than regular Jenga. Why is it Ray? Why is it Ray harder? Why is it way harder? It's, I don't know. I think it's the structure is so heavy that it's like harder to tap out the blocks oh, okay yeah. so it just gets like really intense very quickly uh I, it's we were realizing it's a unique game because there's just like one loser there's like no winners it's just like one person loses and that's jenga <laughs> like the person who knocks it over and realized how odd that is so well, i lost one you're the loser <laughs> i was the loser once also i got confused well, i asked why it was harder because i got confused because i confused jenga with <laughs> I confused it with the game Connect Four, which are oh. two totally different games. And I was like, "Wait, because it's bigger, why would it be harder?" You're still just putting the little, little red and black. Those things are so circles. heavy. I can't, I can't fit them up there and put them in. Well, I suppose Connect Four also has one loser. That's this, you know. That's true. That's the yeah. The only thing they haven't gone to know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, "How did I mix those games up?" But yeah, we did. We had some Jenga going, and we played this other little silly board game, and we did karaoke, which I'm always a big fan of the karaoke. Lizzie loves Love the karaoke. 
Yeah. Love it. There was a lot of Hamilton songs sung, nice. mm-hmm. a lot of uh, Disney, a lot of Moana, because there were some mm-hmm. parents there, so mm-hmm. they know, like, all of the words. <laughs> What's your go-to karaoke song? Uh, Cheryl Crow, if it makes you happy. All right. I have to, like, nice. scream sing it, but it works. It's, mm-hmm. like, my my jam. You've probably heard me sing it. Yeah, she's good. Um, and it's a song I don't usually hear during karaoke, so... Yeah, it's it surprises people. Yep. It's like, ooh, it's a little little hit from the 90s coming in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was really nice. And, like, I ended up not wanting to leave. Like, my husband went home before I did. And um, I was just like, I'm having too much fun. <laughs> like, rode home with some friends. But it was, it was just a nice reminder that it's like when you haven't seen people for a long time, you forget that, like, you really sometimes can just pick up where you left off. Like if you were actually close with those people at any mm-hmm. point, like you've got that shared like bond with them and it's just, you can kind of pick up where you left off. So I'm hoping to now get to hang out with those folks more because I feel like we just kind of lost touch and I really like all of them. So, That's cool. and uh, it was a good win for my social anxiety I didn't self-medicate with alcohol too much. Like, I didn't get out of hand or anything. Nice. Which is my thing with my social anxiety is, like, I'll end up drinking too much because I'm just nervous and, you know, it works. Yep. But, um, but yeah, I didn't even do that because I just felt really comfortable. Like, I'm always in a social scenario, like, with my anxiety. I just need something to focus on other than conversation. Like, I need some sort of distraction that's why i love our group of friends is that there's always we're always playing games yeah there's mm-hmm. just always games around and it's it just like it just makes it it's fun i mean i like playing games and it's also just like you you can get around having to just like having drinking be the only activity or like chatting be the only activity i just I'm not a big chatter my thing is i like i like banter i like going back and forth with someone so like when i like, I don't really love small talk, but then sometimes I don't really love deep talk either. Yeah. I'm just like, let's just, like, joke around. Like, let's just, like, do observational humor and just, like, make fun of the situation and our lives and everything. And I'll just be amused. Like, that's just, that's my that's my comfort zone level. Especially, like, going in those settings. And my social anxiety gets a little bit there where I'm just like, okay, like, I have to, like, prep myself up. And I'm almost, like, performing on stage or whatever. But if I can just, like, joke around with someone, it's like a very... It's very relaxing for me. Yeah. That's a good strategy. To be out of those like elevator speeches that you have with family sometimes. And that's what it feels like. It's like, I'm just, here's this thing that I'm going to say. It's my 20 second clip about I'm seeing my family. So this is what I say. And to be out of those scripts with those relationships, there's like a specific feeling with those relationships too, where you feel so comfortable that you're just, you know, you, you are free to be yourself and whether that's like really being honest about what's going on in your life or just you know being playful and just (laughs) relaxing and and enjoying you know the banter that comes with it yeah for sure well i like that you uh because your strategy you've told me before was like you'll do an hour like you're like okay i'll do an hour there and i just have to last one hour and if i like it i'll stick around some more but if i'm like this sucks i want to leave like i was there for an hour i showed up i did my thing and I can go. I've always really liked that strategy and have used that since you've taught me about that. So I like that a lot. And like giving yourself permission, you usually end up staying longer. It's like once mm-hmm. that hour passes, you're like, you know what? 
this isn't too bad. I'm having kind of a good time. I'm going to stick around. But like giving yourself permission to leave after an hour is like huge. Yeah. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good. Look at us. Look at us Look growing at us. up. Say two. These are positive things we said. <laughs> we're all happy. <laughs> we had things that we, you know, we're struggling with, but we, you know, we're fine. Look at us. Look at us. It's, I mean, cured depression, like you said. Depression's done. I think like, we fixed it. Like COVID. Maybe it's because we have a therapist in the off, in the recording <laughs> yeah, studio yeah, with us. Like, we're performing for the therapist. It's like the <laughs> it's like the getting a grade in therapy. We're just like, I just want to like make my therapist happy or get a good grade. Oh man, I totally fall into that sometimes, where I'm just like, I want my therapist to like like me and think that I'm awesome and good at life. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> and, I, and I do it for a living. <laughs> so on both sides, I'm like, yeah, like I like I want inherently my therapist to like me. Like yeah. It's just part of it. <laughs> yeah, I like try to crack jokes and stuff. Like I try to, mm-hmm. you know, keep them entertained because I know it's boring to just listen to me complain all the time. So I, I try to keep it keep it light sometimes. <laughs> when make my, them laugh. When my therapist laughs, I'm so happy. I'm just like. <laughs> I'm the funniest person in the world, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's an extra win if you make a therapist laugh because, like, they're trying so hard to be, like, serious and pay attention to what you're talking about. If you make them laugh, it's just like, yes, you're a human. Gotcha. I did it. That's right. I win. <laughs> yeah, that was the phrase that came to mind. Got him. Like, that's, that's it. There it is. Well, I, I don't know. Like, I, I have that same pull to it. And, you know, it's the relationship therapy is a relationship and sometimes you you want bouts of humanness and not just a therapy robot who's gonna you know prescribe you with whatever thing that they have in mind no they're you want human moments yeah so lizzie's doing all right i'm doing all right zach how are you for real (laughs) terrible (laughs) just awful no i i would say um I would say I have a mixture of things going on in my life. Uh, and, you know, the first thing that came to mind is is more of like a visual. And it's uh, it's going to be my first, uh, like, 90s throwback of the day, uh, which will be, like, Gak. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what my mind feels like. It's just, like, slime and putty. Because sometimes I, I, I can get really scattered because I have a lot of different poles. Like, I'm doing a lot of different things. And like this morning I was doing some work for one of my jobs and had to answer some emails. And then I was, I'm working on a book that I'm writing. Um, and then I was going out to the speed and like my brain feels like it goes in like 10 different directions. So it feels very scattered and it can be off putting at times like emotionally. Cause I, it's like I'm wearing 10 different hats and sometimes I have to figure out which hat I need to put on and yeah. I don't remember. Um, so like, I think it's, it's just a sort of a, it's a wild time to be in the mental health field, I would say. Mm. It gets a, it's a very tough time. So I think, you know, I think we're coming out of it because of the pandemic and feeling a little bit, a little bit better as, as more and more people are getting vaccinated and stuff is opening up, um, which I remember, you, you know, still have some of those, you know, anxious thoughts about being in public. Mm. And it's really kind of bizarre because I'm, I'm like, what do I do with my hands? And like... <laughs> What's like, how do I talk? How do I talk to people at all? <laughs> it's like, I forgot I've been a hermit. So it's, it is a, it's sort of a weird feeling. So it's like, so I'm feeling a little scattered and, um, 
you know, it's just one of those, it is a weird time. It's, it's been a, it's been a pretty tough year in terms of like being in the mental health world. Uh, just because, you know, it's a lot of times when I'm, when, when working with somebody, they have their own individual experiences and tough things that are going on in their life. And that's not typically shared. And that's kind of what it is right now is we're living in sort of a shared trauma space yeah. because of the pandemic. And it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic to be a part of that and, you know, have some of my own coping skills like sort of stripped away because I, cause I didn't had just like everybody else didn't have access to them. So, uh, that, that part's been, that's part been, has been tough. Um, I would say like emotionally it's been, it's been more of a year where I've, I've had and dealt more with depression and anxiety, um, because I haven't had those skills and the ability to engage with them. Um, so I'm feeling like coming out of that a little bit more, um, in the summertime and, and, um, was at a family reunion yesterday and it really, it was nice to have some connection with people. And that was the thought that I had was it just feels so nice to be in a shared space and just like talking and connecting about not just the, the day-to-day stuff and yeah. not, not having to do my elevator speech. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling, feeling good on the, it's like, a, like it's like a, on the upswing um, of coming out of that, which is nice. Yes, things are like opening up again and we're not having to wear masks and um, some people are going back to the office. I I should be going back to the office in August or earlier if I really need to. Um, But yeah, just like starting things starting to return to normal, I think, is helping a lot. Mm hmm. As and some of my clients that I haven't seen in a really long time, because, it, it, you know, it is a relationship and, and I, I like I'm very invested in my work and I, and um, it's really important to me. And so I had this client come in for the, f- the first face to face session. I haven't seen him in a, like a year and a half. And uh, like I sort of opened the waiting room door and he just smiles and he's like, well, aren't you a sight for sore eyes? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you too, bud. It's really good to see you. Yeah. So some of those, it feels nice having some of those things resurface as well. Even just work-wise, having some old clients coming back and seeing them in person. It, it, it's like resuming that connection that was lost largely for the past year. Even if I saw them uh, through telehealth, it just, it, it hits different. Yeah. It's not the same as being in the room with someone. Mm-hmm. I even feel that way about like meetings. I feel like more disconnected from coworkers because I'm only seeing them in this virtual setting. Yeah, I, I uh, at one of my practices, I supervise doctoral students, and we've been co-leading a team group all year, and it's been it's been virtual, and it's it's gone really well, and we're moving to hybrid groups and in person. And I like physically met her in person for the first time like two weeks ago. And she's been there since August. Yeah. And she's leaving in, in like two weeks. Wow. And I was like, well, it's, it's, it's nice to meet you for like a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That's where I got hired at a new job and didn't hadn't met anyone on staff for like months. It was just so weird. Like the interviewing and hiring process was all virtual. So it was like, but now I'm back at the office, but it was still very weird to be like, oh yeah, like I've worked with you for like four months, but just never seen you in person. Yeah. It's so wild. It's, it's a weird feeling. It's very weird. <laughs> yeah, I've got like a a GA that I supervise, and I haven't met her in person. It's just been all virtual, and I feel like the the supervisory relationship suffers from that, just mm-hmm. not being able to see them face to face. Hmm. 
it definitely changes all of those dynamics. And it, I think in some ways it, it does suffer and I, I wish it, I wish it didn't, Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, for, in, in some ways it's really convenient. I like the convenience of telehealth, but we also don't get the, just the person to person contact and humans just need that. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, I'm not an alien, I think. Uh, so yeah, you know. aren't an alien. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> to that realization recently um (laughs) so yeah it's 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 wild it's wild i'm I'm curious to see how the rest of the year unfolds and if we can continue like hopefully positively moving forward yes all right well it's time for us to take a quick break and we will be right back Two Nuts in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. Okay, we are back. As always, we missed you guys. It was cold and dark and lonely without you, but... It's the most depressed I've ever been. Yeah, it was really rough on Emo, especially. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, he's been through it. <laughs> yeah. He's been through a storm. Yes, definitely a storm. <laughs> um, so we're back talking to Zach. Last name is Thien... Thieneman. Thieneman? Mm-hmm. Okay. I always want to say Thierman for some reason. It's close enough that I would answer, so like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thierman. <laughs> hey, yeah. Um, so we're talking to Zach... And, uh, so what we wanted to kind of get into now is like your story and your background a little bit. So mm-hmm. if you could start by just telling us, like, how did you get into therapy? Like, how did you kind of come to that career path? Great question. And, and I think it's sort of a cross section of a lot of different life experiences that I had, you know, growing up and into adulthood. So I think sort of ingrained into my family structure was wanting to help other people. Like that was a big part of like my family's identity. Like you help other people in your community and specifically for me growing up, it was actually my church community that was very much, you help the people around you and and you, you, that's kind of where you're at. Um, and that was a value that really has stuck with me into adulthood. Um, even outside because I'm no longer involved in the church community, but helping other people that was sort of a base starting point for me when I was 18 and trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I still, I don't know if I really know what I want to be when I grow up. Um, but even then I think it's, I think it's tough to ask people who are in their late teens to make really big decisions about their life. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What do you, what do you want to do for, you know, X amount of your week, every week for the next, you know, 40 years. Why don't you go ahead and make that decision now? 
So I like I really rejected that and I just didn't. <laughs> I made really slow decisions that were that were more short-sighted. And I spent a lot of time reflecting on who I was and what what was important to me and especially as I was, you know, later on in college and later as I went into grad school, the the really the biggest piece was a sort of self journey of okay, okay, what do I want to what do I want to do? How can I weave in the skill set that I have um, and the things I know about myself and the things that I'm not good at uh, so I can stay away from those things, generally speaking, and sort of focus on how I can help people in the way that makes sense to me. And it was sort of a cross-section of a couple different values that I had, which was not liking being told what to do. Um, so mm-hmm. now I'm in pretty much independent practice. Uh-huh. So I don't really have like a, it's not like a boss situation per se, kind of set my own hours and all that type of stuff. Um, Wanting to help people. And, you know, um, finding myself somewhat personable enough to be comfortable bringing my genuine self into therapeutic relationships. So I actually started providing therapy with kiddos in the autism spectrum when I was like 18 or 19. And that was one of those other formative experiences where I was like, yeah, I really like doing this. This is really powerful. I can see the impact that this type of work has on families and these individuals that I was serving. And that sort of, you know, I sort of slowly made those uh, short steps one after the other where it was like, all right, well, okay, so I like psychology and it seems to really stick. So that's a way that I can help people. I can really get into some sort of counseling or clinical psychology or social work um, or some branch of therapy. Okay, so I got to the point, I was finished with my bachelor's and I was like, well, what do I do now? Okay, where I, well, I really don't like being told what to do and I don't wanna be in like a, a setting that's gonna be really a big system because that's not a good fit for me personally. I just don't like it. So I'm gonna, okay, so that means I have to be licensed at a really high level. Okay, well, I'll go ahead and get my doctorate so that I can feel comfortable and have sort of that flexibility or freedom to, to really feel like um, I can practice in the way that I want to and I hold myself to a really high standard now with that practice, but that's kind of you know, how I got into it. And it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't as, as necessarily uh, directly related to some of the experiences that I had as a kid as much as it was, um, it was, it was an avenue to also help explore myself is graduate school in psychology in particular. I mean, in graduate school that's in like a mental health field is really introspective because you have to think about yourself and yourself in relation to the people that you work with um, and all of these different interpersonal dynamics. And the further I went along, um, the more nuanced my understanding of myself got. And I realized that this work in and of itself is uh, indirectly a way to uh, continue to be introspective and continue to hold myself uh, to that standard of, you know, how best can I help my clients? And part of that involves how, how much can I continue to understand myself in service of those people? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I feel like I didn't even really think about it that way, like that you do to be a therapist, you do have to have that introspection, like you have to really know um you have to be able to connect with yourself on a really deep level to be able to connect with other people, I think. Mm-hmm. In order to be authentic, I think, um, therapy is a relationship. And 
you know, for some of the clients that I see, I see more than I see my family outside of my wife. Like I see the, my clients more than I see anybody. Mm-hmm. And it, it is a relationship. And I, I think there's power in bringing just who you are genuinely and, and authentically to those relationships. I think that's part of the power um, of therapy. And I was curious about, because um, we had talked off the break and we talked before about group therapy and you specialize in group therapy with kids, mm-hmm. I guess youth, just any age or I guess does it? My youngest a group is six to eight year olds. So pretty young. Uh, we, I don't like personally, I don't go a lot younger than that, but there mm-hmm. are a few in the community who do, um, who have like sort of like little bitty, you know, tight groups. And, yeah. And I was, I, I was interested about like, the challenges that come with group therapy with youth or just some of the interesting moments that you've had or just, you know, why you particularly have a focus on that. Um, if you could just kind of elaborate on that. Yeah. Group therapy is awesome. I am such a huge fan of group therapy. It's one of my favorite therapies to be a part of. And with, with kids, with kids, kids are authentically themselves. That's one of the things I really admire about children is they do not care about like they don't care about a lot of stuff they just are unapologetically themselves Mm -hmm. and i've I've really enjoyed being a part of that and so we at at the the practice that i'm in that provides uh group therapy is called group works and we start at six and we have groups that are sort of loosely defined by age like i have mine's a six to eight year olds um that's the youngest and sometimes we we might have a have a, a kiddo who's nine um and then we have all the way up to like young adulthood so um those teen groups can be uh really fun as well um and i think if i think back if i if i'm looking honestly I think part of it is if I look back at myself in middle school, um, which was like this super awkward kid. I had these big glasses. I had this spiky haircut and mm-hmm. awful attitude. <laughs> and I wore Hawaiian shirts and vests constantly. That was the <laughs> style, man. Hawaiian shirts, jinkos. <laughs> it was a style. <laughs> it was a style. It yeah. was a style. Yep. <laughs> Did you have frosted tips too with your spiky no. hair? Okay. But I did like for a while, I just, you know, sort of flung up the top bit of my, like the very front part. So it was like a row. Nice. The top row it was, is awful. And like my brother still loves to make fun of me now and was like, I don't know. It was like, I think it was like your haircut, like your attitude came with the haircut. <laughs> so, um, like, I don't know. You were just a jerk. <laughs> And if I think back to myself at that age and I think like, what, what did I really, what did I need? What did I need in those moments? I needed a space that was a, a safe place for me to be myself and explore those things within myself. And I, I, I didn't really have that, you know, I was bullied a lot and I had, I know I had a couple friends, so it, you know, it wasn't anything like that, but I was, you know, I was a pretty lonely kid in a lot of ways in like middle school age, especially. So I, I think, in, I think part of me is wanting to be that person that as, you know, as, as a kid growing up in a teenage years, who, who's that person that I needed? I needed, I needed an adult who, an adult who was safe, that was going to just appreciate me for who I am and, and help me, help me be the best version of myself, whatever that means. Um, so I, I see a lot of that in the work that I do 
now and sort of like facilitating those explorations of identity and, you know, providing that space for, you know, kids and teens to be who they, who, whoever it is they want to be and need to be. And a lot of times they don't, they don't have that. Just like I didn't have that, I suppose. Do you find that you're able to connect well with the youth you're working with because of your experiences? Like when, you know, when you were spiking your hair or wearing the Hawaiian <laughs> shirts, whatever, just those, just those unique experiences that you had growing up, are you able to better connect with the youth that you're working with? I, I think so. Cause I, I think for, for me, I can, I, I can sort of see their perspective a little bit better. It's definitely not like a, like a requisite because, mm-hmm. you know, like in therapy, like I, I just, it's impossible to be in the shoes of everybody that you work with. Yeah. And at the same time, for some of those, for some of those kids, it's, we think about it in therapy as like transference and counter-transference. Like who do, who are the, these people, who do they bring up for you and who do you bring up for them? Um, and actually, I did a, a with Dr. Shepard, uh, who owns Group Works. Like we, we did a workshop a couple years ago at a conference that was all based on counter transference. So the therapist feelings toward the client uh, during adolescence and how that how those feelings of like shame uh, can relate. So how can you connect some of your own experiences to the experiences of the people that you're working with? So I had this whole long thing about like. Uh, I was at I was at church one time, and you know my mom works at a church, and she was real, you know, a, a very like public figure within the church. And there was this awning between these two buildings, and I threw this piece of butter. It was like one of those little sticks that was just a little tiny one that was like you would put on a roll, right? That, that after after church brunch you put on a pancake or something. And me and a friend were just throwing it across the awning as children do, and like. I got in so much trouble because it got stuck up there. <laughs> like no less than like five people were were very condemning of the butter incident of my childhood. <laughs> the butter incident. Butter catastrophe, really. That's what it was. <laughs> it was. And it was so shaming, right? So yeah. so I, I, I think about moments like that when you know, sort of my clients are coming in with these experiences of not being seen for who they are, um, or being shamed for who they are or for being shamed for pieces of themselves that in all reality, like really aren't, aren't big deals. Um, so those moments, I think, uh, that counter-transference allows me to connect with those, uh, with those teens, um, and say, yeah, that's, you know, it sucks to, be shamed or guilted for something that really doesn't feel that big mm. and yeah <laughs> and, yeah personally i i loved group therapy as an adult and i've done it a few times and i wish i could do it more often to be honest and then it made me wish like man i really wish and just talking with you now just like wish wish i had this as a kid and we talked about this off air that you know i was diagnosed with adhd as a kid and i was on ritalin and basically you know i was telling lizzie and zach like i just kind of zoned out after i would take it and become basically a different person really and it was like the shame attached to that the shame attached to like hey nobody likes who i really am so i have to take this medicine to be someone different and then they will like me and then they'll approve of me and it's like man as like a as a 7 year old that is really hard to understand and process and it's like god i just wish like i had other kids in a group that was safe to talk to because you know as kids and you know us all of us in here and many listeners like we didn't have those spaces to talk and then that 
transforms into <laughs> adult problems and adult issues. It is like, God, I wish we were able to process this at a younger age. It would have been so much more effective and healthy. But Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's, I remember this, this kid that I worked with a couple of years ago in group, and he had... He's, he's diagnosed, actually, like, had, had ADHD, I believe, and he was in group therapy for, like, a year, I think, and, um, you know, they, uh, the parents shot an email, like, afterwards, he had stopped group because he was doing so well, and he had gone to summer camp, and uh, the summer camp was like, you know, what have you done with this child? He's just doing exceptional. He's so different than than the way than last summer and you know I, I wish I had it as a kid too yeah in all reality um just to be able to explore those things and to feel you know validated and safe in those ways is extremely powerful um and you know kind of what you're talking about Emery is is a lot of the reason why I I continue to do what I do and, mm -hmm. and that specifically that work with group with kids it's a lot of kids just don't have that space um you know i wish they did yeah and i think just being like as a boy like a lot of boys definitely don't have that space and then really struggle with processing their feelings and are like told to process it in a very specific way that goes against maybe how they want to process it and it's like yeah i wish we just had those spaces and they didn't exist but i'm glad they exist now and i'm glad you're a part of it so me too thank you is it sometimes hard to get the teens to open up? <laughs> I mean, I think that would be yeah. the big trick is like, they're so like at that age, you're so consumed with like being cool. Mm -hmm. And especially around your peers, like even if they're not peers from the same school. So it's like, how do you even get them to talk? Yeah, it's it's it, it's a great question because some kids really and some teens, I guess, in this case, really are going to be super clammed up and they're not going to say anything for a while. And, it, and some actually some teens come in and they're just ready to roll. They're yeah. like, I got this, this, this going on and it's really tough and I need to deal with it right now. Um, and then I remember this one, this one teen who's who's uh, been in one of my groups for a while and he did not say a word for a year faithfully <laughs> attended wow. like, like every group like, but it probably still helped him to hear other people talking mm-hmm 100% that's then that's part of the power of group is that is that you can really see other people work through their stuff and it says a lot about the space that you're in and how to manage it and at one point so we, we got to the point where you know we're speaking with his parents and we're like well he's not really doing anything in group so I don't really want to make him, he just, I don't want to make him keep, he seems to be engaged, seems happy because he was following along and seemed to be enjoying the conversation, but never really add anything to it. And his parents were like, okay, we'll give him the choice. And about two weeks later, he came in and he was really, he was like tearing up and he was having a really hard time. And I sort of, somebody, somebody, another person in group, like another member was like, Hey, what's, what's going on? You, you look like you're having just sort of like a really hard time today. And he just started like crying, like bawling. And he had watched his dog die like the oh night before. And he was just an absolute mess about it. I mean, it was just a really hard, it was like his childhood pet yeah. and really the dog meant so much to him. And 
he was that was the first time he said anything. And after that, he's just not shut up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <He won't. laughs> it's just that experience where his he later said that he just wanted the choice. He wanted the choice to be a part of it or not. And when he was given that choice, then he felt the freedom to to engage with it. And mm. he's he's doing wonderful. Like he's he's getting ready to go to college. Um, and it's a pretty cool. He's a he's a super neat kid. So. And he built that nice. trust within the group to be able to share that. Mm-hmm. So when he was the most vulnerable, he was he felt safe to share it, which is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only a year. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I can't even imagine a whole year of not talking. <laughs> he would just stare, and somebody would crack a joke, and you could tell that he was like tuning in. Which, so I don't, I don't mind that as much because he's still going to get something out of group because he was he would laugh along. Somebody cracked a joke and stuff like that, so he, he would try not to laugh, and I would kind of look at him like, got him. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in adult groups, you have people that participate more than others. And a lot of times it's just like hearing those stories, being able to relate to your own life, maybe having resources that they use. Like, you know, in group therapy, we'd learn about like different apps or different techniques that people use. Be like, oh, I should try that. That's a good, that's a good idea. And, you know, mm-hmm. it might be someone that talks a lot more, but um, I always thought it was very, very effective. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. I think it's under, underappreciated sometimes because uh, there's just not a lot of, not a lot of groups in town. Yeah, I've never, like, heard of... I feel like I've never seen it, like, marketed as something that I could do. But I feel like it would be really helpful. Maybe that's my next thing. Maybe we'll do group therapy. And we've had previous guests talk about, like, American culture being so individualistic and not Mm -hmm. community-oriented. And how, like, that actually further damages our mental health and mental well-being. Because we don't have that community to lean on, that support network. Because we're like, I'll take care of this myself. I'll just push through it. I'll pick myself up by my bootstraps and just push through it. Like, it just doesn't work for people. I mean, it doesn't work for the vast majority of people. So, continuous yeah. problem. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, a, it's not, you can't always pick yourself up through everything. You need people. It, yeah. Actually, our, our teen groups are called, our, like, we, we refer to them as teen communities because yeah. that's what, exactly what they are. Just, a, just that space to have community. Is we we do need that and yeah this is a very individualistic culture mm. uh, so it's good to have some you know communal ideas in there that really can be so beneficial yeah so Zach you mentioned earlier that you've experienced some anxiety and depression just during COVID is was that new for you or have you experienced it kind of throughout your life I'm just kind of wondering if like your own experiences with anxiety and depression like how that affects your work in therapy and just you even wanting to be a therapist. Sure. I, I dealt with, I think anxiety was newer for me in the past few years. Um, I dealt a lot more with depression. I've dealt with depression off and on in my life. Um, I would say it, it would just, it, sometimes it would show up for me as a lot of irritability and anger and I would lash out at people close to me. And that's a lot of times how my depression would show up, would be me putting those defenses up and pushing people away. Um, so I, I, I would say I've dealt with that for a lot longer. Um, and the anxiety has crept in really in the past, probably since I really started my professional career. Part of it's that imposter syndrome. Like, am I, am I doing what's best? Am I making the right decisions? Am I being as ethical as I can be? All of those types of things where I, I feel like 
the relationships I have with people can can be really important to them. And um, I want to make sure that I'm doing justice to them as the people that I'm serving. So in a lot of ways, that's where some of the anxieties crept in. Like, am I doing the the best that I can and feeling like some ways that maybe am, am, am I? I don't know. Um, and I think in like in, in grad school, you learn a lot about how to have those boundaries. So like there's there have been a few points where I've sort of said I, I can't do therapy right now. Um, like my, my dad passed away and I, you know, in 2016 and I was on internship and I took like a month off cause I was like, there's no way that I can provide yeah. therapy right now because I'm in such a state of grief. And outside of a lot of those big moments, I, I a lot of days I, I really do want to provide therapy. It's, it's not always like it's, it's challenging. And at the same time, it's really fulfilling in different ways. It's it's not always a fun activity. Some of my work involves, you know, really oppositional kids. And, you know, there have been multiple experiences across my professional career where I've been beaten up like by the clients that I'm working with. That's never fun. <laughs> yeah. A, no point in time. And it's it's really fulfilling. So I, when I'm feeling like I, it's going to be a hard day to, to, to give because it is lots of emotional giving, then I have to remind myself, I take a step back and remind myself the reasons that I'm doing it in the first place. Um, and that, it, that seems to have been like a, a net that's been really helpful, even if I'm feeling down, um, if I'm feeling depressed or if I'm feeling anxious. Mm. Mm. Nice. All right. Well, we are getting to the end of the episode, so we need to do a lightning round of gratitudes. That means fast, right? You want yeah. To be really fast. Okay. Yeah. Um, so lightning rounds, sometimes we get pretty deep and we talk about some dark stuff during the episode. So we like to end on a positive note. So mm -hmm. what are some things you guys are grateful for? Start with you, Emery. Uh, lightning round. Oh my God. I'm grateful for lightning. Uh, <laughs> I am grateful for, uh, being able to complete that event and having that all come to fruition after multiple weeks, many weeks of work and very long hours and something you know that was challenging and it was very much like i don't know what i'm doing i'm terrified and then being like hey that worked out i'm okay i survived i can do this again and that was i was very grateful for that experience awesome what about you zach what are you grateful for um i would say the first two things that came to mind uh first is i'm really thankful for my wife kate like there is just no other way to say it she is awesome she's just a bomb human and i'm so thankful that she's in my life we, we just got married in october and it's it's been wonderful mm -hmm. it's been such a healthy awesome relationship so i'm thankful for her all the time and i also you know i was eating uh, this is going to sound random because it is random um, but i was eating jelly beans the other day and i was practicing mindfulness with one of my clients so we were, we were sitting there eating jelly beans and I, I loved it because I noticed something new, which I do every time. I just sit there and eat jelly beans. And I was thinking about the the movement of my tongue in when I eat jelly beans and how I never realized that my tongue moves as much as it does when I'm sitting there eating. Like, it's just like, wow, <laughs> <laughs> kind of moving around. And I, I was thinking about this idea that it's in mindfulness and like Buddhism, uh, that's it's called beginner's mind, which is approaching the world as if you've never experienced it. So you can see all the different possibilities mm. that are there rather than seeing it as fixed. And I was thankful for uh, being able to have that experience of being president and having something new. 
I'm going to be so focused on that now. Just my tongue and what it's doing when I'm eating. (laughs) Jelly beans, specifically. (laughs) Lizzie, what about you? Um, I am grateful for just friends that I've had for a long time. Like, people who know how completely freaking weird I am and still (laughs) like me for long periods of time. You are a very likable weirdo. Thank you. That's something I noticed, yeah. Thank you. Um, it's just a good feeling to have friends that, like, even if you lost touch for a little while, like, to be able to reconnect and just remember, like, what brought you together in the first place. And, um, yeah, I'm just feeling really grateful for that right now. That's awesome. All right. So that's a wrap, folks. Um, everybody, thank you for listening. Zach, thank you so much for being on the show. I feel like I learned a lot. I want to do group therapy now. Maybe (laughs) you'll become my therapist. (laughs) Anytime. I'm at office right in town. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate being here. It's been a lot of fun. Awesome. All right, guys. Keep talking about your feelings. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.